on today's message from Harvest Church of God. Jesus said, I give you power to trample under your feet all of the power of your enemy. Above that, that snake line is where you want to be. It's where God wants you to be. It's where this pastor wants you to be. It's not the will of God that you live be below that snake line. You've got to find it. You've got to get above it. Thank you, God, this morning for the opportunity to stand in this sacred place and preach your word. I thank you, God, for this crowd that is assembled today who has come in anticipation of an encounter with the Lord Jesus. Your words, a lamp to our feet, the light to our path, inspiration and encouragement to our spirit man. And I pray, God, that the church would have spiritual ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. amen. We've been talking about renewal, and we've been talking about how that God said, Behold, I make all things new. And that if any person is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation that old things are passed away and that all things have become new. That that is a positional righteousness that we have through what Jesus did for us at Calvary's cross. And that we positionally have been justified, that all charges have been dropped, that God has accepted what Jesus did at Calvary's cross as payment in full for the sin that was in our life. And we've accepted this new life in Christ. We talk about uh, this kind of change that takes place as a praxis. Theology calls that praxis. It means you take what you believe and make it the practice of your living. You walk out what you believe to be through. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. In other words, the energy and the guiding force for every one of us is the truth that we believe in God's Word. We've accepted from the heart that form of doctrine that was delivered unto us. And by the Word's provision, we have been made free from sin. The Bible said we've been released and delivered from the power of darkness, translated into the kingdom of His dear Son. We've passed, the Bible said, from death unto life. And we've accepted new life in Christ. Now, our life is hid with God in Christ. Praise the Lord. So we've assumed a, a new position. And in that position that we've assumed that we've passed from the old creature that was destined for a, a lost eternity in hell, we have this provision for our salvation in the Lord Jesus, and we now are a different people. We are, which were not a people, but have now become the people of God which had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. A chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That means we're a, a different group of people than what we came into this world as. Born uh, lost and born away from God, but now through Christ Jesus, we've been made to be family members. We've accepted the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father that God is our Father and we are His children. And as in most fathers' heart, there is a protection that goes around uh, His people. Amen. And uh, there is a strength and an energy that we live by that is foreign to those who don't know the Lord Jesus as Savior and Lord. We are preserved by the strength of 
his might. By the power of his might, we are sustained. Amen. And that's a wonderful place we are in Christ. In Job's experience, in Job 1 and 10, uh, the Bible tells that God had this discussion or conversation with Satan. And that Satan challenged God. He said, you don't have anybody that's serving you. I've come from walking to and fro in the earth, and there is not one person that does right. There is not one person that is upright. You don't have anybody that serve you. And God answered that, that statement by saying, Hast thou considered my servant Job? Now, there are many, many Job stories. They're ancient. They, some of the oldest stories in all of civilization uh, come from Job stories and creation stories and those kind of things, books of the, genet uh, of the Genesis. There are many, many stories like that that are called teledotes, teledotes, and they are handed down by oral tradition from family to family around the campfires of Israel. Job was an upright man. The Bible said he was a perfect and upright man. That means that in serving God, he wasn't lacking. He wasn't lacking. He served God with all of his heart with all of his mind, with all of his soul, with all of his strength. And he came into this situation where God expressed confidence in Job. And the devil, who is the accuser, was trying to win uh, Job away from serving God. And we know that whole discourse, but the important scripture there is in the 10th verse. He says, you have put a hedge of protection around Job. And you have blessed his life. And you have put your hand upon him and his family and his wealth and his riches are all because of you doing that for him. That hedge. Now, that hedge is so important uh, to, for us to realize that God has placed a hedge of protection around every one of us. In fact, God has assigned guardian angels that would keep you lest you dash your foot against a stone, that we have these angelic beings that are encamped around about those that love and fear the Lord that are there for our protection. And we thank God for our angels, don't we? Amen. I hope you've got an angel. I hope you've got somebody fighting for you. And I hope you've got somebody protecting you. If you don't, you need to be more keenly aware of what's going on spiritually around you. But Satan said, if you'll just drop that hedge of protection, if you'll just remove your hand and let me touch him, then I will cause him to curse you to your face. And we know the story, how that Job went through all of that situation and that he said, made those great colossal statements, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. Made those statements of my feet have not declined to walk in his path. I esteem the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Though the skin worms devour this body of mine, yet in my flesh shall I see God. All testimonials of his confidence and his faith in God. And the Bible said, in all of this, Job did not sin with his mouth, neither did he charge God foolishly. And the Bible said, and he came out of all of that temptation and that experience more blessed and richer and more wealthy than he was before because he trusted God. Now, what that allows us to see is that there is an enemy of our souls. There is an a enemy that the Bible identifies him as a killer and a thief and a destroyer. Jesus called him a murderer. Wow. 
You mean there is a murderer on the loose that wants to kill and steal and destroy? Yes. The Bible calls him your adversary. Your adversary. But God has provided for every one of us a place where we can dwell, a secret place, under the shadow of the Almighty, a place where Satan cannot come. They tell me that there is, in nature, an imaginary line somewhere. It's a line where uh, a snake cannot go. They call it the snake line. In fact, in New England, amongst the mountainous areas up there, when you're buying a piece of property, uh, it states whether it's above the snake line or not. Wow. Many people who live in areas where there is uh, uh, reptiles, they ask that question when they go to purchase land or purchase, is it above the snake line or is it not? The settlers who first came to this country always was aware of the snake line. They always felt secure and safe if they were above the snake line. I want to tell you, for Christians, that's natural. For spiritually-minded people, there's a snake line where Satan can't follow. There's a bloodline that is established by the Lord Jesus where Satan can intrude. Amen. Someone said, can a Christian be... Uh, indwelt by uh, a demonic spirit. No. No. A person who is bought with the price, a person who is redeemed, a person who is saved by the grace of God cannot be possessed, but a person can be oppressed. What does that mean? Acts 10.38 How that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good, healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. That is an oppression, not a possession. In other words, you're fighting against a, a spirit that is evil, a spirit that is wicked. It has its origin in the regions of the damned. It is, it is a tool, a device that Satan uses to stop you and to thwart the will of God in your life and cause you to swerve away and Make shipwreck concerning your faith, the Bible says. That place, the Bible said, is where people wait upon the Lord. The Bible said the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. The Bible says they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, Isaiah 40. Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall... Run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. There's a place in God. It's a place of security. Besides that, I've got a great clincher for you. Luke 10, 19, Jesus said this. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Can you say all the power of the enemy? Jesus said, I give you power to trample under your feet all of the power of your enemy. He only has the influence he has because you allow it. He only has the opportunity and the different swages that he comes against you with 
because you allow it. In fact, the Bible just simply said, if you will flee, if you will resist him, he will flee from you. The devil is looking for somebody that won't resist him. The devil is looking for someone that might consider there is another way. The devil is looking for someone that is weak and anemic in their stand. But those who stand strong and resist and rebuke the enemy, the Bible said he'll have to flee from you. Have you ever done that? Have you ever just said, Satan, get your hands off of this situation? Satan, get out of this situation. Get out of this circumstance. In Jesus' name, I order you, take your hands off of it that situation you have that authority Jesus said it right there did you put it up there for me Luke 10 verse 19 behold I give you the authority I give you the authority I give you the authority the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all of the power of the enemy listen nothing can you say nothing nothing shall by any means hurt you Quite simply, saints of God, I believe that. I believe that. I believe that God's hand of protection is upon us. So in that heavenly place where we sit together with Christ, I said in that heavenly place where we sit together with Christ, who hath raised us up together with Christ and made us to sit together in heavenly places, in that heavenly place, in Christ, Praise God, that's above the snake line. He can't slither and slime his way into that place, into that place. God has made it so profoundly available to every one of us. We've been elevated above the, that snake line. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us that when he found us, we were dead in trespasses and in sin, that we walked according to the course of the prince and the power of the air, and we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others, Ephesians chapter 2. And we all had our conversation in times passing the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires and of the mind, and we're by nature the children of wrath. That image becomes crystal clear. Every lost person lives below the snake line. In other words, that's where fear and doubt and anxiety and frustration abides. It's down in that lowland of sin. It's a place of spiritual poverty. It's a place of weariness. It's a place of exhaustion. It's a place of collapse. It's a place of broken hearts. It's a place of shattered dreams and ruined relationships and troubled minds. It's a place where people spend days and nights in fear and fright and frustration. Down in the lowlands drear. Is that what the song used to say? Burdened with sin. Down in the lowlands drear. But oh, what a difference when Jesus passed by. When Jesus came into a heart, he broke that yoke. Yes, the wages of sin is death, and we were under the curse of death. And the Bible said in Ezekiel chapter 18 that the soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. The death referred to in the Bible is not merely death, physical death, that leads to a cemetery. It's a death in the Bible. that The Bible calls it second death. It speaks of eternal separation from God in, in torment and in punishment. Here's how the 
New Testament describes it in 2 Thessalonians 1 through 8. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. That's the condition of lost people that don't know Jesus. But I want to tell you, the land above the snake line is a place where there's spiritual victory. It's a place where there's enjoyment and spiritual abundance and spiritual safety and spiritual security and spiritual hope and complete spiritual abundance. Above that, that snake line is where you want to be. It's where God wants you to be. It's where this pastor wants you to be. It's not the will of God that you live be below that snake line. You've got to find it and you've got to get above it. And when you get above it, you're at a place where you can relax and be safe and secure in your salvation. God doesn't want you to walk around fearing, well, I don't know if I'm saved or not. I don't know if I'd make it if the Lord was to come. God wants you to know that you are in Him. God wants you to relax and be secure and safe in the fact that you are in the body of Christ. Hallelujah. You're a son of the Most High God. You're a daughter of the Most High God. We're sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know. We know. Does anybody know anything? But we know. I don't have to worry. I don't have to be in doubt. I don't have to be afraid and be uh, scared to go to sleep. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And the Bible said, in him verily is the word of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. Did you get that? In him verily is the word of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. Brother, God doesn't want you to have doubts about whether you're saved or not. God wants you to walk in faith and walk in courage and walk in boldness because you are who God says you can be. You're doing what God says you can do. You've arrived at a place that God said you could arrive at. And now that you're at that place, don't let anybody or anything pull you below that snake line. Because God is our Father. We're adopted into his family. We've been delivered from the power, but delivered, delivered. Somebody say delivered. Delivered from that power, that power of darkness. We've been delivered. And the Bible said you're a chosen generation royal priesthood that you may show forth praise unto him who has called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. Hey, above the snake line, there's light. Below the snake line, there's darkness. Below the snake line, there's fear, there's dread, and there's worry and frustration. But above the snake line, praise God, there is confidence and there is a peace that passes all understanding. There is a joy that is unspeakable, that is full of glory. And that's where we, God wants us to abide. The Bible said we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. The Bible tells us over and over again that though our sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. 
Though they be as, as crimson, they shall be white like wool. Bible, the Bible said, God said, come now and let us reason together. Let me tell you how this, this is. God wants you to walk in the power of your freedom in the Lord Jesus. He wants you to relax and be comfortable with who you are in Christ Jesus. Amen. The walk of God is not a walk of fear and frustration. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things that are above. If you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Colossians 3 and 1. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. Who is that? The great I am. Thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. With him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. God dwells in a place where there's safety and there's blessed pleasure forevermore at his right hand. I'm so glad he lifted me, aren't you? A little girl was looking one day at her mother's garden and she said, Mama, I know why those flowers of yours grow. And she said, well, honey, how, how do you know what makes them grow? She said, I know what makes them grow. They're just trying to get out of that dirt. They're just trying to get out of the dirt. I want to tell you that's why I'm saved today is I just wanted to get out of the dirt. The reason I accepted Jesus as Savior and Lord is he helped me find a way I could get out of the dirt. I couldn't find any other way. There was no other way among men, given among men, no other name whereby I could be saved. And when Jesus was offered to this dirty person, I accepted Jesus and he lifted me out of the dirt. Praise God, I'm so glad to be free from the dirt, aren't you? Glad to be free from the dirt. You see, the Bible teaches us that if we live below that, that place, that snake line, there will be bad things that will happen to us, all the judgment and all those things. But he says if you are above that snake line, you're elevated, you're lifted out, you're delivered, you're given new life, he saves you, he changes you, he will set you above that snake line and he will give you a confidence that you will be free and safe and secure and safe. Wow, I don't know why anybody wouldn't say, quit preaching, pastor, and let me get to that altar and say yes to Jesus. Say yes to Jesus. Those who've been saved by grace understand the difference between the new life that they have in Christ. You know, the Bible in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 9, he said, For the Spirit, the Spirit lets us know that we are in Christ. That same Spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead, it dwells in us, Romans 8 and 11. That, that spiritual person that we are, the Bible said it's not possible that the natural man can receive the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. Well, that means there are some people that don't know and there are some people that do know. That means there are some people that I call GIs, and who are they? They get it. There are some NGIs, and what is that? They don't get it. 
Isn't it something that every congregation can be divided into two categories? I don't care if you're at a church service or if you're at a ball game. They all fit in one of two categories. They either gets it or they don't get it. To gets it means I have understood that I was lost, but now I'm found. Gets it means I was on my way to hell, but now I'm on my way to heaven. Gets it means I was on a pathway and there was all kind of bad things going on in my life, but Jesus turned all that around. And now that I gets it, I've got new life in Christ and I've set my sails to make it toward my port in heaven. I'm on my way to heaven. I gets it. I understand. The natural man doesn't have that understanding. And he thinks that foolishness, preaching is foolishness. That what you've done here today, clapping your hands and raising your hand, to the natural man, that's foolishness. But to we which are saved, to we who are the gets it, it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Praise God. Living above, living above that, that snake line. The character and the quality of our new life in Jesus exposes all of that emptiness and that futility of what we once were. Knowledge means to know fully, and the will is that which God hath decreed. Wisdom is God's truth that is known and understood. And because God has said, I will keep you, I will keep you. Because thou hast given. Where do you find that wording? That's, I think that's the letter to the Philadelphian church in Revelation 3, 10. That's a good one. Put that one up there for me. Revelation 3 and 10. Because. Starts with the word because. Because. It means we're about to experience a result. That there is something that has happened and the result is going to be this. You ready for this? Because. Thou hast kept the word of my patience. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep you. I will keep you. Keep me from what? From that hour of temptation, which shall come upon the whole world to try them that dwell upon the face of the earth. Next verse. Behold, I come quickly, and hold that fast which thou hast, that no man should take your crown. In other words, don't venture back below the snake line. Don't be tempted to wallow in what you used to wallow in. Don't go back to that old vomit and don't go back to that old pig sty. Once you've got out of there and once you've got freed from that, don't ever let the devil develop any kind of device or scheme that would cause you to make a bad choice or bad decision and go back down below the snake line. Boy, that's good preaching. Thank you, God. You need to be filled with the knowledge of the truth, full of the knowledge, full of the will, full of the wisdom of God. All of those things are so important. People who are saved, how do people know they're saved and how do other people know they're saved? Number one, they prove it by the life they live. 
And now we've crossed over from positional righteousness to behavioral righteousness. That area where we talk about let your light so shine among men that they may see your good works and give praise and glory to your Father in heaven. What are they watching? They're watching your good works. What is a good work? We established before a good work is not necessarily a good deed. Good deeds are just that, good deeds. But a good work is you doing the will of God in your life, being obedient to God's purpose and God's plan for your life. That's, that's a good work. And no matter how beneficial what you're rendering to the church is and how blessed it is and how thankful we are if it's not what God ordained for you. It's a good deed, and we commend you, but it's not necessarily a good work. A good work is doing what God wants you to do and being what God wants you to be. Don't do anything because nobody else will do it. Do what you do because God wants me to. I said, do what you do because God wants you to. Hey, praise the Lord. That's good preaching. I like that. They prove it not only by their love, they prove it by their works. In other words, they prove it by the fruit they bear. Saints bear fruit simply by abiding in Jesus. John 15. When we yield to him and allow him to live through us, our lives are fruitful for his glory. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. You're the branches. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Disciples bear fruit. Followers of Christ, people who are in Christ, they bear fruit. And that, that increasing knowledge of serving God. Somebody said to me, Brother Jerry, I wish I would have known years ago what I know now. One author even wrote the book, If I Could Raise My Kids Again. Boy, that's a great title, isn't it? Buddy, if I could just have known then what I know now. All of us are convinced we'd be rich. If we could just have known then what we know now, we would have been so much better off if we just knew then what we know now. Well, I want to tell you, for a Christian, I'm glad you know more now than you knew then. When you first started out for Jesus, uh, you weren't very experienced at, at walking that walk, and you, you probably misstepped a lot of times. Yeah, learning to walk is part of that experience. But now that you've served him 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, you can say, praise the Lord. I, I'm experienced at handling those kind of things now. Amen. Amen. Living for God. They used to sing it when I was a kid. I want to know more about my Jesus. I want to know more about my Lord. Oh, that's exactly what we're, everyone in this the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. The longer I know him, more love he bestows. Each day is like heaven. My heart overflows. Because the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. God wants you to be a fruitful person. We need to remember some very important facts. If we've been saved, we know the truth. If we know where the snake line is, we know where the Lord wants us to be. And when we sin, we sin because we choose to live below that lofty place we've been elevated to in Christ. In other words, it's always a decision or a choice that we made. 
God always gives more grace. But that grace is not imposed upon you. It's not forced upon you. God's not going to make you do right, but he'll give you grace to live right. I said he'll give you grace to live right. When the apostle Paul was talking about his thorn, he said, I prayed three times. Thrice I besought the Lord about a grievous thorn that was given to me. And said it made life miserable for me. And he identifies what it is. He said it was a messenger of Satan that was sent to buffet me. You know what buffet means? It means blow after blow after blow after blow. It means if you're not real careful, you'll believe Murphy's Law. Every time Paul got on a ship, it sank. He told about his ordeal, 39 stripes saved one. Said, I've been fasting off, decadent in peril, an accusation among false brethren, stoned and left for dead, afloat on the sea for a day and a half. I've been in, in dire straits. I've been naked and in peril. I've, I've been without food. I've gone through a whole gamut. And he said, that's all because I've got an enemy. And he said, Lord, please take this thorn away from me. Three times he said, I besought the Lord to take it and remove that thorn. But said, every time, all three times he told me, my grace is sufficient for you. And that's a text from a famous sermon that one of my good friends, Gene Rice, preaches. If you can take it, you can make it. Because God's grace is sufficient. You can take it because God's grace is sufficient. You can make it because God's grace is sufficient. You can make it because God has given you the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit to be with you and to help you. Help you. There's an old preacher joke that they tell a lot of times. A young preacher would go about his task of pastoring a, a church and he rode his bicycle everywhere. And one day he met another old preacher, and you know this joke too, another old preacher, and he said, why are you walking? He said, somebody stole my bicycle. He said, stole your bicycle? He said, yep, and I think it was a member of my church. He said, what do you think I ought to do about that? He said, well, I'd whip you up a good sermon if I was you. And I'd get on them Ten Commandments, and I'd hammer them hot and heavy. And when it come down to that part, thou shalt not steal, he said, buddy, I'd really hammer that point home. So the young pastor went to preach his message, and he saw the old, old preacher a few days later, and they met again, and the young preacher was riding his bike this time. And the older preacher asked him, say, I, I see you followed my advice. You got your bicycle back, didn't you? He said, uh, no, I took your advice. I preached through the Ten Commandments, and I was planning to preach for a while, like you said on that one that says, thou shalt not steal. But when I got to the one that says, thou shalt not commit adultery, I remembered where I left my bike. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, <no. laughs> wow. You got to watch that snake line. We've been elevated above the snake line. We've been enlightened about the snake line. We know about it. But we've also been empowered, empowered against that snake line. We're strengthened by his power 
enabled by his power, enabled by his authority. He said, behold, I let you use my name. In my name they shall cast out devils. In my name they shall lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. In my name they'll speak with new tongues. In the name, that authority, we've got the, the power and the authority of the Lord God. Long-suffering, that word refers to forbearance and standing firm. Joyfulness, that talks about cheerfulness. And taken together, this teaches that we are enabled to live for God with a power that exceeds ordinary human power. And by his power, we are enabled to stand firm and be cheerful while we're doing it, enduring patiently everything life the world and the enemy throws at us. And that power is our Lord's power exerted on our behalf. He exerts that power, and it holds everything together. What's holding this world together, the Bible said, all things consist by the word of his mouth. And that same word is what's fighting for me. Isn't that great? I heard the story of a pilot in World War II, and he left on a mission, and he heard a chewing sound over in the wall of his airplane and he realized a rat must have made it into that plane it was in the wall and he said i could hear it chewing away at the wires and he said i i kind of got scared and i thought he may chew something in two but i need to get this plane back and my life may be at stake here and he said he just pulled back on the stick and accelerated the throttle and began to fly straight up to an altitude where the air is so thin and the oxygen is so scarce. And he said, when the chewing stopped, I knew he was dead. Well, that guy probably may have saved his life by simply flying into the sun. I want to tell you, when you hear all the ravages of the enemy against you and you hear all of those telltale signs of the plans that he is formulating against you, just pull back on the stick and fly straight into the sun. I said fly straight into the sun. Not S-U-N, but S-O-N. The son of righteousness. The son of God. Fly right straight into the sun. And I'll tell you, going to where he is is a place where the snake can't follow you. Death can't follow you. All of those things that are so, so bad, if you do that, then God will take care of you. I'm closing. Come on, please, and help me quit, Olivia. Two boys were on a cliff, and they found an eagle nest. And it had these little eaglets in them. I can picture you doing something like this, Jerry. And one of the boys reached in and got one of the little eagles and said, let's take this home with us. And he took that little eagle and took it home and put it out in the hen house with the mother hen and her little chicks. And he spent his days acting like a chicken, pecking around on the ground like all he could see around him that was going on. He soon realized that there was something different about him and these chickens. But being raised in a hen house and in a chicken yard, pecking around all the time. He just thought he is as well off as anybody else, and he was supposed to be like he was. But one day he heard a strange screech in the sky, and he felt a strange sensation take hold of him. 
and he stretched out those wide wings and he began to pump those wings and suddenly he felt a lift and he felt himself gaining altitude and he felt himself soon soaring in the wind high above the chicken yard and the hen house. And he realized that's not been my destiny all along. I thought acting like everybody else and being down and limited was my destiny, but that's not my destiny. I was destined to soar, he said. I hope that some of you in this service today have realized that it's not God's will for you to live weak, anemic lives. That God wants you to be strong in faith and strong in, in power of His might. God wants you to be understanding and to know Him and to know what His will is, know what His purpose is, and understand what God wants you to do. Stand with me, please. <clears throat> For about two months now, I've been battling a low heart rate. It's got a real fancy name. It's called bradycardia. And I've uh, had some pretty, pretty tough times over the last couple of months. But uh, none of you, I don't think very few of you ever knew anything about that. But at times here in this pulpit in the last couple of months, I've had to just rely upon God to give me the strength because at that kind of heart rate, you're very, very weak and tired most of the time. Amen. But I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he's able to keep everything. And I, my life is hid with God in Christ, and I'm kept by the power of God. And I'm going to accept what God's Word says right there, that nothing shall by any means hurt you. Praise God. Amen. So, so I'm on a regimen. I'll get better soon. They're going to shock me into ablation or whatever they're going to do, but they'll get me back to my powerful self. Amen. So you just pray for us that the Lord will help us and bless us. And I pray that every one of you will take this seed that's been planted today. And if you've been a, a chicken yard eagle, then it's time for you to jump the fence. Amen. If you've been pecking around in the hen yard and God wants you to be an eagle, you need to flap your wings and say, praise God, I'm not dwelling in the lowlands anymore. I'm headed higher. Amen. And if you've been kind of tottering on that snake line, you get above that snake line and you live where God wants you to live and be what God wants you to be. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity of ministry today. Thank you for people that gathered in this house of worship today. And thank you for the word that is so powerful. And may it find a lodging place in our heart and dwell with us many days and produce much fruit. Go with us now to our homes and our families and our jobs tomorrow and help us to be light and salt in this world. In Jesus' name, amen.